Hello there and welcome into Career Competitive, a show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. As always, we're brought to you by my friends over at CG Sports Network and today I'm delighted to welcome in Lena Taylor. And for those of you that don't know, she's got a few things going on in her life, has Lena. So Lena is a two-time Olympian in beach volleyball for the country of Bulgaria. She's a leadership coach. She's a real estate investor. She's the mentor to elite athletes. She's the co-founder of a college football award, the wife of a Super Bowl champion, and the mother of three. I could go on, but Lena is a busy, busy lady. But the amazing thing about how impressive it sounds as though she is in terms of her career and in terms of her life, her story to create such opportunities in her life is really what makes her such a wonderful guest for our show. Within our discussion today, Lena is going to really allow us to get back to the true roots of what this show is all about. Career Competitor was born off the ideals that we as people all have these athlete mindset characteristics. And Lena came from an athletic background, established herself as a world-renowned volleyball player, played at two Olympic Games, and has now been able to really construct a career for herself that is just jam-packed full of amazing leadership insight in relation to falling back on the very characteristics that made her the success that she eventually became in the sport of volleyball. As you're going to find out, opportunities for Lena, they were not provided. There were things that she had to create, and there's so many amazing keywords, buzzwords, whatever you want to call it, that you're going to get out of this particular episode. But her story is something that, quite frankly, I cannot do justice to in an introduction. So why would I even try? Why don't we just get right into today's episode with two-time Olympian and leadership coach, Lena Taylor. And I hope you all enjoy. Hey guys, before we jump into this interview, please make sure if you're on Instagram, go to Korea underscore competitor. Give us a follow. There you're going to find information about all my guests and episodes that we have coming up. In addition, I have links in my bio to each and every episode too. That link will take you to Apple Podcasts. If you are someone that likes to listen through Apple Podcasts, while you're there, take the time to leave a review of some sort. You can just click the fifth star, make things easy on yourself, or you can even write something as well. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear from you. In addition to that, make sure you're subscribed or following the show on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to is on. And finally, I would love to connect with you personally. So if you're on LinkedIn, make sure you're connecting with me, Steve Meller. I would love to hear from you. I would also love to hear if you think you or somebody else could be a great guest to come on the show. So many reasons to be following us, so many reasons to be listening to Career Competitor Podcast. But for now, let's get right to the interview. Okay, well, it gives me the greatest pleasure to welcome in Lena Taylor to the Career Competitor Podcast. Firstly, Lena, how are you today? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Oh, well, I've been certainly looking forward to having you on as well. You're certainly someone, and we spoke about this just before we started recording, you're someone that really comes back to the core of what this show is all about. Someone who has performed at the highest level in their sport, and at the same time, you've been able to go on and achieve already so many things in a career that's still somewhat young in comparison to your sports career. So I'm just really excited to dive into all these many things uh, about you today. But instead of me trying to do that on your behalf in terms of giving your story, in terms of your career up to this point, Lena, why don't you go ahead and tell all our listeners who you are, the sport you come from, and just all these amazing things you've been doing recently. 
Thanks, Steve. You know, my my career has not been stri- a straight path. <laughs> you can imagine I was born in Bulgaria while it was still a communist country. And one of the only ways that you could create a better life in Bulgaria during that time and be allowed to even travel outside of the country was to be really good at something. And so at the age of eight years old, I was growing really tall. And my dad, being an athlete himself, he decided that it's time to sign up and start playing a sport. Sports were one of the only avenues that you could actually create that better life, create better opportunities for yourself. And my early life was marked by watching my parents struggle tremendously yeah. uh, with those lack of opportunities that they, you know, they, they, they didn't have in Bulgaria. My, my dad had barely missed qualifying for the Olympics. He was a rower wow. and, and he came so close. He describes it as having a photo finish and it was within a matchbox. This is how close he came. But as a result, he was forced to just take any career path that he could. And he made the best of it. He never used any of his circumstances as an excuse to not do something. So if you can imagine a very typical kind of communist upbringing in my household, the most uh, revered phrase that you could hear is there is no I can't. My dad would always say that there is no, I can't. He had two daughters and he raised us with the mentality of setting our mind to anything that we want to achieve and then finding a way to do it. Uh, But, you know, that doesn't mean that it was supported by the outside circumstances Mm. of what being in a communist country was like. And uh, very quickly, I found out that the lack of opportunities that my parents experienced started to repeat in my life. So by the age of 16, I was already seeing how it wasn't about how far you wanted to take it. And it wasn't about how hard you worked at something. Opportunities were not only not going to be given to you, but they could be taken away. And it was just a very sobering experience You know, at the age of 16, I had made it to the very top level of my club team. This was the team that now national team coaches. I started playing volleyball. That's my sport uh, growing up, indoor volleyball. And the national team coaches would look at this club team and then select the team, the the players for the national team. Well, I felt really good about being there. You know, I felt really good about just putting my heart and soul and everything that I had into it. But two days into the season we got a new coach and the new coach looked at my stats on paper and she decided that I wasn't a part of her plan. She wanted to win a national championship and she saw, you know, Oh, you know, she doesn't jump as high as other people. She doesn't run as fast as other people. She doesn't have what it takes to make it at the highest level. So just like that, she told our captain to come and tell me after practice one day that I'm cut. I'm off team. And so you can imagine, you know, being 16 with all your hopes and dreams and everything that you wanted to accomplish, um, I felt like my life was over in that moment. And, and it became the defining moment of my life because I went home that night. I couldn't even tell my parents, as you can imagine. Like I felt if I say the words out loud, it would make it real. And I didn't want to face that reality. And so I went to sleep that night. I cried myself to sleep you know, and, 
And, and then I woke up in the morning and I remember very clearly sitting at the edge of my bed and thinking, if I'm awake, there has to be a different way. Now that became the moment of my awakening. And I realized that if I want something, I will have to create it. It will not be given to me. And so the realization that volleyball was everything to me in that moment in life mm -hmm. gave me the courage to make a decision. So the decision I made at that time was to go back to practice, go back and take my spot in the lineup and face the coach and very possibly face the humiliation that now would happen. She would kick me out in front of everybody. It wouldn't be hush hush like the day before. Yeah. Uh, but I was ready. I was ready to take humiliation than to give up on my dream. Hmm. So that's what I did. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, I, I want to stay on this for a little while because it's, it's almost like the, the, the prelogue to a book. It's like, you know, all the greatness, all the success is, is now around the corner once we start turning the pages and we start to really get into, um, you know, your life beyond these adversities. But to start, to start in life like this, where, as you put it, so many opportunities were actually taken away from you as much as they were put in front of you because here you know I grew up in the UK and here I am in the US now and I see if you want to participate in a sport the opportunities there there is no such thing as a door being closed to anybody that wants to participate in something that they're passionate about and here you are saying that it was actually more likely that opportunities would be taken away that doors would be closed to you unless you could truly show that you were in fact elite at what it was you were doing and here was a new coach that wasn't even going to give you that opportunity either wasn't even going to give you the opportunity just to prove that you belong to prove that you could compete but now we're at this point where obviously you've decided that listen i i hear what you're saying but i'm going to show you and something that you said there if i'm awake then there has to be a way okay so this podcast is about three years old now there's been a lot of great quotes over the over the many episodes that i've done this one really resonates with me. This is something that it hits me on a level because I have in no way ever been in the situations that you've just explained here to you, uh, to us through the first 16 years of your life. But at the same time, so much of what I feel I've accomplished within my career and within my life, and this is even on a personal level with my with my wife and my children, I feel like I've had to work for all of it. I don't think any of it has been necessarily given to me. So let's stick on that as a theme here for a little while, Lena. Tell me, in, in your opinion, and this can be more about who you are today, not necessarily you as a 16-year-old, but what it means to you to always find a way. Like, What is your approach to that? What are your maybe your tactics when it comes to always finding a way? Yeah, it's a really good question because it really boils down to what is your essence? What do you bring into this world? And I believe very strongly that each one of us has something really unique that we bring into this world. And so getting in touch with that essence really sets the tone for the rest of your life. It really paints the way that you will show up in those defining moments of your life. I believe that we each have these moments where we're called or asked to show who we truly are, right? Yeah. Sometimes they come in forms of tests, like I'm sure your life has gone and my life has gone and certainly a life of an athlete. But when we even talk about somebody in a corporate career, 
It's mm-hmm. the same thing. How do you show up for yourself and for the people around you in those defining moments? So, you know, what I've realized in the years that have passed since then is that the quickest shortcut to success is awareness. Hmm. It is very easy to say, but it is difficult to accomplish because you have to be aware of so many things that are playing a role in each and every moment. And so for you to define the moment, right? And how you show up in that defining moment, you really have to be aware of what's coming into play. So in that moment, when I'm 16, I didn't have the language that I'm using right now, obviously. What I knew was that I I, I asked myself that question is like, why does this hurt so much? You know, in the moment I was gripped in fear, in tears, in pain. That That was where I was, you know, it was, this is what it felt like. And and I'm sure that, you know, all of us go through these different events in our lives where we can relate to that moment where we all, all you know, is just like, you feel the pain. That's all you feel. It's like, it just hurts. Mm -hmm. So I kept asking myself, you know, during that night, as I was crying my eyes out, it's like, why does this hurt so much? And I realized, you know, what is really important to me in that moment, I realized volleyball was not just a game. You know, if, if it was just a game, I go pick up another game and sure. start playing. Sure. But it's my entire life, everything, everything that I want in my life rides on this. And so this is the switch that happens. And by the way, neuroscience is now proving that through research, that how you get out of the emotion of the fight or flight response, right? Yeah. The fear response. And now you're able to step up to the challenge. In fact, they call it the challenge response. So how do you switch between the fear response and the challenge response is by creating that bridge, by asking yourself those bigger questions. What does it mean to me? Why is it important to me? And instinctively in my desperation in that moment, I was asking myself those questions. Now that is exactly what gives you courage. Now, this is the quality that, you know, we really need to step into the unknown. All of us have faced the unknown over the last two years. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I I face it every night when I wake up at 2.30 in the morning and I'm wondering, like, are the kids going to school? Is my husband going to have a job? Am I going to have a job? You know, all of us can relate to that. So how do you bridge the unknown and step into it with courage is by asking yourself that bigger question. What does it mean to me? Why is it important to me? Who are the people that depend on me? Who are the people that believe in me? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I love this because you, you said something there in terms of how will you show up for yourself and others? And that it actually answered a question that my mind was about to ask a question and you immediately answered it because that how will you show up can some, suddenly be it can, it can be analyzed as sort of a selfish thought. It can be analyzed as a self-centered approach. And here you are saying that we're not just showing up for ourselves, we're showing up for others, which immediately ties into your comment of awareness. Awareness is all about those around you. And I think hearing you put it that way, 
in relation to also this this notion of fear versus challenge and i love the word bridge like from fear to challenge and we are creating this bridge between the two because by having a bridge what it does is it it emphasizes that it's possible for everybody everybody can do it everybody can get from the point of fear to the point of challenge it's not a versus it's not a versus thing it's it's fear and challenge on a bridge together one on one side one on the other and how do we move across and finding that finding that connection with what something means to you is so huge and at the age of 16 you know from an emotional standpoint that's a lot of vulnerability that you were willing to embrace on your part you're willing to be able to say hey you know a lot of 16 year olds in that moment would they might be able to realize that it means something but they might not necessarily act the way you're supposed to let's say in that moment to maybe get past that or or prove what this actually does mean to you but you were here in this moment deciding that you were not that defining what it meant to you but then you were willing to also take action so i'd love to pick up from the story where you left us there at 16 years old uh bring us up to the point of where you became a two-time olympian yeah so you know that was that was it you nailed it right there with um being being very vulnerable. I, I mean, of course, I didn't even have that word in my vocabulary. Course, right, right. Um, but what it felt like on the inside, I'll tell you that what it felt like to me was I felt resolved. I felt resolved. I felt um, that I would rather take humiliation, which is the most likely outcome of what I was facing, than to give up on my dream. You know, I'd, I'd rather go and just face that. And, and so this is, this is where I was. I was resolved. And this is what had me show up at practice, take my spot in the lineup. Of course, all of my teammates are whispering, you know, why are you here? Right. <laughs> why typical, are you Typical 16-year-olds. That sounds right. That sounds right. right. Yep. <laughs> it's, and it's like, have some dignity, you know. And, um, and, and for me, you know, I didn't say a word. I just uh, took my spot in the lineup and the coach went from person to person. And she stood in front of me in one of those moments where it's like, you know, those movie moments when time just stops. Sure. And, and so she looked into my eyes and she she could really quickly see that it wasn't I wasn't there because I was rebelling her decision. You know, that I wouldn't dare do that in a communist <laughs> state sure. yeah. where coaches are actually uh, they had ranks in the military. Oh, my goodness. Right. Yes. OK. So it was like as if you're you know, you would never dare to do that. Sure. But I was there. She saw the resolve. Mm hmm. And that's a different thing. And so the resolve to do anything, anything that it takes. And so what did she do? She didn't do anything. She kept walking. And I took that as a second chance. I took that. She was giving me a second chance to prove myself. So whatever effort, you know, I thought I was putting into volleyball up until that point, feeling good about it. I quadruple it. <laughs> you know, you think you have nothing left to give. Oh, no, that's not true. Right. You, you always have something more. You always have something more to give. Now, the question is, are you willing? And so uh, facing that adversity, facing, you know, what felt like the end of my life in, in, the, in the way that I perceive things as a 16 year old sure, sure. Um, was, you know, gave me gave me the, um, the courage to say, like, I have more to give and I'm willing. I'm willing to give it. And so you know, I practice months go by, I, I make myself invaluable to the team. You know, I become a starter. Uh, we win the national championship. 
I get selected for the national team. Uh, but this is but this is just proving not just to my coach and to my teammates that, hey, I deserve a spot. I belong on this team. Most importantly, it was proving to myself that if something is really important to me, I will do anything. I will do anything to make it happen. So that becomes now a part of my character. This, this becomes the gold that I take into um, the rest of my life. You know, my entire life is built on this yeah. it, because I believe that don't wait for opportunities. Like if you, if you want to go to a party, don't wait for an invitation, create your own party. You know, <laughs> right. if you want, if you want a job, like figure it out, create it. Yeah. So yeah. that, that becomes part of my mantra and how I start looking at life through that lens. And, um, something that had started even earlier than that was my my parents had kind of like the vision of okay english we see where the world is going english will be a really important thing a really important skill to have so it's six years old they signed me up for english lessons which means that a lot of times you know on their 100 a month salary wow. that would take a big chunk sure um, so I go to these English lessons and then I want to practice my English. And so there's not a lot of opportunities at that time in Bulgaria. And um, we had the Cyprian national team uh, come and play the Bulgarian national team. And I was just a little ball girl returning balls to the players. And then after the game, I approached one of the players and I said, can we be pen pals? You remember pen pals? Yeah, yeah. I remember pen pals. <laughs> I had a couple. Yeah. So, wow. you know, it's before the internet and you write sure. a letter. And so I wanted to practice my English. So I would write these very simple letters to her. Um, and, and I told her my dream. So at one point when the borders opened up, I was only 14. But, you know, I said to her in the letter, my dream is to go to America and to get my education. But I know my parents wouldn't be able to do it. They only make $100 a month. Um, if I tell my friends, they laugh in my face. It's yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I believe that there, there is a way. There is a way to do it. I just, I don't know how. And so anyways, that that was me writing that in a letter to her. And she sends a letter back and she says, well, did you know that in America, there's such a thing as an athletic scholarship? If you're really good in a sport, the mm -hmm. university will pay for your school. Now imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, this is it. This is how I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I start handwriting letters to American universities. Uh, and all they end up is in the general admissions office. Nobody seems to read my letter, which very clearly states, even in broken English, that I'm trying to get an athletic scholarship. Please put me in touch with the volleyball coach. Mm. Nothing. All I get back are these colorful brochures that I'm sure you've seen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, American yeah. students. Yeah. like sitting on the lawns of their universities and right. <laughs> and, and so nothing comes out of it it's really frustrating and then uh, one day i get a letter back from my pen pal and she says um, look at what i found in the trash now she was working at the volleyball federation in cyprus at the time and and leaving work one day something catches her eye out of the trash she pulls out this crum crumpled up piece of paper which turns out to be a recruiting letter from the volleyball coach at the University of Idaho. Wow. In the trash. So he was doing what I was doing, but on the other side. Yeah. So he was trying to recruit players mm -hmm. to come to the University of Idaho, which is not 
necessarily known as an, uh, you know, volleyball superpower. So a lot of those California kids that, you know, had the skills, they would rather go to, um, you know, Stanford and Texas and, you know, like other schools that are well known. So he was trying to build a program. So he was recruiting internationally. All of his letters ended up in the trash because all he had was the uh, volleyball federation address. That's all he had. That was before the internet. So if it wasn't for me putting this in a letter to my pen pal, she, you know, knowing this is what I want, looking at this, it's like, what is this? A letter in the trash. Now, I was the first athlete out of Bavaria to come to the U.S. on an athletic scholarship. And that opened the gates. Like, you know, of course, I told everybody. And and, and so that like hundreds and hundreds of other athletes have been able to come here and do the same thing. My friends to this day, they send their kids here with this amazing opportunity that we have sure. in the U.S. Sure. I, I mean, you literally wrote it into existence. You know, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, these, everyone uses this word manifest these days. It's just this very much coin term that everybody uses. And there you were years ago doing that exact thing in so many ways. And you know, just the the amazing, you know, you can call it fortunate, but you can also call it, you know, and, and that's that's the one thing for me. And, and it kind of brings up a really interesting thought. And I, I'd love to discuss it with you. It's like, people talk about fortune, they talk about luck, and all this kind of thing. And I, I, I this must have come up with you before just hearing your story, because some people can hear this story and just say, wow, she was lucky. Wow, she was fortunate. But <laughs> But you were creating it. You were creating the opportunity. And and yeah, what happened with the letter happened, but so much happened up to that point in order for that up for that to actually become a fortuitous thing. So, you know, just talk to me a little bit about that. Like have, have people challenged you on that before? Like just being fortunate or being lucky, you know? Yeah, Steve, it's very insightful mm-hmm. of you to perceive that and to and to really you know, people do. It's like, oh, a letter in the trash. She must be very lucky. It's like Cinderella, you know, the print. <laughs> right. <finds the laughs> right, exactly, exactly. All right, but yeah, let's let's take a deeper look. Yeah. Let's take a deeper look. So at six years old, I start going to these English lessons, which are, you know, uh, far away from my house. My parents have to actually really sacrifice to to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of the times I'm coming home by myself at like eight, nine o'clock at night. I remember uh, a snowy winter storm. I got to my lesson from school, you know, taking the public transport like nobody was taking me by the age of eight. Um, so I'm, I'm going to my lesson. I barely made it there in time. And I remember that I was uh, running late, so I couldn't go to the bathroom. So, you know, it's like I'm sitting there holding it, you know, the whole time the lesson's going on. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the teacher goes late. And now it's like it's dark outside already. It's super cold. There's like new fresh snow that's knee deep high. I have to walk from uh, my tramway station. It's a 10 minute walk to my house through this kind of like really dark place and and you know there's like very few streets light at the time and by the time I get out of the lesson the the school that we were studying in had shut down so they closed the bathrooms 
So I can't go to the bathroom. So it's like, I have to make it home, but I've been holding it for like hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and it's like freezing cold. And as I'm like braving, you know, I, I was afraid of the dark. So, but mm. like every night I have to brave that. But not only that, now it's freezing cold and I have to go so bad. And I remember just like getting within, you know, my house was like within sight. It was there, I could see it and I just couldn't hold it anymore. Mm. And so- I pee my pants. He's just like me being eight years old. I pee my pants. Like, how many kids do you know that would go back to that English lesson after mm. that experience? Right. I didn't even tell my parents. I didn't even right. tell them. Like, I just like walk in the house. And I was like super embarrassed. And it was just like, you know, I mean, it was like humiliating and also just uh, embarrassing. And it was just like, I can't believe I did that. You know, like I'm not a two-year-old kid anymore. And, mm. but like, like, I never thought that this was a reason to quit. And this was something that I think I got from my parents, you know, like not, nothing, nothing that happened in their life that was really bad was a reason to quit. Sure. And so you go back. So Okay, so you take that forward, you know, you now I'm eight, now I'm 11, uh, now I'm 14, communism falls down, you know, now I, like, I, I, I approach that girl to start writing letters with her, like, do we still call that luck? You know? I mean, and, and that's why, yeah, I mean, like you would, you would, there were so many trying moments, there were so yeah. many moments where you could have given up, and exactly. that fortuitous moment would never have happened and and that's why in so many ways it's not fortuitous it's it's it it was set up to happen you know it was truly set up to happen and i love having this sort of discussion cuz it's kind of this is like chicken and egg sort of thing isn't it it's just like what came first you know was it was it the was it the hard work or was it the fortune or what well, you know whatever it may be you know people can have that discussion probably until you know they run out of breath but for for me personally i'm i'm just so such a believer that luck really doesn't happen you know it, it, of course there's going to be moments where it's like okay that was just absolute luck but in terms of people's career trajectory and the ability to go on and build a life for themselves you know even in that moment when when the letter is found that's not the end of the story that's just the end of that chapter and or the beginning of the next chapter and then there's so many more moments where you have decisions to to work hard or to not work hard or something could be fortuitous or not be you know whatever it may be and i i just think with your story lena you know looking at so much of what you've gone through and i joke with you at the beginning that i start with an empty page on a piece of paper and as you've been talking this thing is filling up i'm like i'm just i am writing a it's like a seminar for me this lena i mean it's just amazing stuff and i just think for you personally you're someone who's just created everything and, and for yourself and, and and that's something that one needs to be uh, acknowledged but but secondly you know needs to be respected and and just in terms of just like wow like all of, so much of this that happened to you happened out of belief that if there weren't opportunities then you were going to create them and i find that just to be amazing and you know very quickly i'd love just to kind of hear from you in terms of you know how you've gone on and and obviously you you become a two-time olympian um you've, you've got you know things there that can, no one can ever take away from you and and for me i think as an athlete that's always one of the one of the things they should all be aspiring to say at the end of their careers is like what what was that something what was that thing that i can look back on and say no one can ever take that away from me and when you're an olympian that's a huge part of that but i actually want to talk a little bit more leaner about 
how you've used that platform of being an Olympian and, and this entire story that is your journey to doing what it is you do today. So fill everybody in on what it is you're doing today. Yeah, you know, in, in, in the, the belief was that I, I never thought there was anything special or extraordinary about me. And, and you could see, you know, from my life that there actually were a lot of things that would say that there, there weren't. And so I believe that the results that we get in life are, are really right there. They're, they're achievable. There are skills that we learn. It's not like you're born with it. Like that, that was so much of my life was just like trying to crack that black box open, you know, because it seems like, oh, there are people that have opportunities. There are people that, you know, of course, they'll go to the best schools. And of course, and, you know, Malcolm Gladwell uh, writes um, the book, the, the Tipping Point, and, you know, some of the other interesting things that, you know, he really makes the point of opportunity and what that really what that really is, how it separates people. So it's like you can have someone that's really talented, but if they don't have the right opportunities, they never really achieve the success of someone that has the right opportunities. And what I have found through my experience is that you can create, you can create those opportunities that you want. And so what I do today is I've simply taken, looking back on those experiences, I've asked myself like, what, what are the critical steps what are the things that you absolutely need to have in order to transform a very dire circumstance into the biggest opportunity of your life? Mm -hmm. and, and so the first thing that I found was that you need to be really clear. You have to have that clarity mm -hmm. of what is important to you and why is that important to you? You know, so in, in all of the instances where things worked, and, and by the way, I've had plenty of experiences where things didn't work for me. Of course, you know, I've yeah. had plenty of things that, you know, I just felt right on my face and it mm -hmm. was just not. <laughs> and, and so that was uh, a learning experience as well. So what does work is when you have clarity. When it doesn't work is when you don't have that clarity, right? When you, when you kind of like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing this. When you say that, okay, that should be a, a red flag right there. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, you're doing the wrong okay, thing. Clarify, yeah. clarify, clarify. Why is that important to you? You know, who are you in that moment? Those values are really important to make, help us make effective decisions. Hmm. So that's number one. Number two is once you decide, okay, this is what I want. Now, the second thing is, that you have to have laser sharp focus. That's what I call it. I mean, it has to be laser sharp and it has to be focused on what is something you can do right now in this moment that will take you closer in the direction that you want to go. So this, this is the question that you have to ask yourself. What is something I can do right now that will take me closer in the direction that I want to go? Now that takes something that seems impossible and you have to have like, oh, I have to have my boss approve, or I have to have my partner help me, or I have to have funding for this to happen, and puts it square in your, um, you know, like it puts the ball in your hands, sure. <laughs> you know, and it says, what is something you can do? Not all these other people, you know, a lot of times we find, how can this not work? Yeah. And then we kind of get stuck in that. It's like, well, they won't work because of this and this and this. And it's like, no, that's the wrong question to ask. What is something I can do in this moment right now that will take me closer? Now, that notion of just taking one step closer is also really important. People, people look at like, oh, I want to be a billionaire. 
Mm. How, how do you become a billionaire? How do you become a millionaire? You know, it's like, okay, you have to take the next indicated step that's within your control. And I learned that through sports. You know, when my sister and I tried to qualify for the Olympics, we weren't very good. You know, I, I had given up on volleyball and beach volleyball, which is what I played in the Olympics, was like a completely new sport for me that I didn't play until after college. Yeah. And it was, I was sitting on my couch watching the Olympics on TV. Beach volleyball comes up as an Olympic sport. And I go, I want to play beach volleyball. I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah. But how do you go from you know, where I am in the moment sitting on my couch to where I want to be. A lot of times, you know, we, we, we want to have that job. We want to be on stage. We want to be doing all these things. There's a gap. Yeah. There's a gap between where we are and where we want to be. And so what I teach in, in, in you know, now I'm an executive coach. I do leadership training. Mm -hmm. it's, it's those steps that I started explaining to you. I call it close the gap. Yeah. And close is an acronym. It stands for those five steps. Number one, the C stands for clarity. The, um, the L stands for having laser sharp focus. The O stands for how do you face obstacles and turn them into opportunities? How do you overcome obstacles? So that's the O. And that is the, the earlier thing that I explained to you, the bridge. Yeah, you know, how do you build the bridge mm -hmm. is by asking yourself those bigger questions you know what does it really mean to me and then why is it important to me why is it important to the people around me what kind of difference am i making in this world yeah. right so that's those are the bigger questions now and then the next step is that you make a shift based on how you answer that question so in that moment when i showed up at my practice uh in front of the coach that was an example of perseverance of sticking to the course of um widening you know making myself invaluable mm -hmm. to the team so that is this is one way you can respond but you there are two other ways that you can respond another way is that you realize you know what i need to make a change i need to make a pivot like this is not working for me anymore it doesn't match my values you know it's what what this is is not what's important to me so boom i make a change and this is what i did when i decided to actually quit the national team in bulgaria and come to the U.S. and get my education. Right. I said, okay, I want to create a better life. How am I going to do it? Not through volleyball anymore. I'm going to get my education and create a better life that way. And so that's an example of a pivot, yeah. of making a change. And then the third way to respond is to simply say, you know what? This is not working at all. Yeah. So it's time to let go. It's time to, you know, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn around. That's a yeah. Turkish proverb that I yeah. really like. <laughs> um, and so just to give you the fifth step, because I'm sure you're curious, the yeah. E in that process stands for how do we encode this transformation mindset into everything that we do? Mm. You know, and it's, it's having that mindfulness practice. It's how do we raise our awareness? That's really the question that we're answering here is, is knowing where are those messages coming from? Am I listening to my coach? telling me I don't have what it takes to make it at the highest level? Or am I going to recognize that that's not my inner voice, that my inner voice says that, yes, I want to play in the Olympics, and this is the voice that I will follow, yeah. or I want to have this job, or I want to write a book, you know, whatever it is. So who are you listening to, right? Mm -hmm. So, But it takes a lot of awareness. So having mindfulness practice, having a centering practice. So this is a myriad of tools that, 
you can use to encode this kind of mindset into everything that you do. Oh, it's just such great stuff, Lena. It really is. Um, you know, and, and here we were through the first pretty much 20, 25 minutes of our discussion talking about your story. And um, so much of what we talked about was the the life and challenges of a 16 year old girl in Bulgaria. And people listening to this are saying, you know, I, I want this, I thought this podcast was about careers and, and building, building growth and being competitive. And, and you've just managed to take that entire story and prove exactly why all of it was relevant. And, and, and I, and I just love it all. Um, you know, the acronym is fantastic. And for those that are just super curious as well about learning more, lenataylor.com, go to it. I looked at it myself a little bit earlier today. It's honestly just a fantastic website to go to. You'll find everything you need to know about everything she's doing with the Close the Gap leadership and all her accomplishments, her story. Um, all of it's just so wonderful, Lena. And I could probably, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to have to bring you back on. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to have to bring you back on whether you like it or not. I'm going to have to bring you back on the show because there's a part of me that just wants to take this Close the, Mind, uh, close the Gap sorry, leadership and, uh, and really just push on our listeners what it means to have this transformational mindset. But consider yourselves fortunate listeners because you just got a five or six minute version of, of Lena's work that she does today. And uh, Lena, I just can't thank you enough for the time, uh, the insight and, and really just everything that you brought to us today. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Steve. And I would love to come back on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to it. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, my thanks again to Lena for joining us on the show today. How about that, folks? What a wonderful interview. What an amazing opportunity it really was for us to hear from someone like Lena today. And I don't even know really where to start. Just so much fantastic insight. And I don't like to ramble too much within these post-interview thoughts. So I'm going to try and really latch on to one thing and I brought it up within the interview and I, I told her how much I loved the concept of the bridge between fear and challenge. And the reason I bring this up again is I, I think what I really enjoyed about it is it wasn't just a, a metaphor for something. This is something that, as she alluded to, within her coaching, she actually talks about building these bridges. And the more we can start to approach our careers and what we do on a day-to-day -day basis within our lives with the mindset of if there's something that we are maybe that we maybe have a negative approach towards, if there's something that we feel as though we're not necessarily strong or good at, how do we build the bridge towards the very characteristic, the very skill trait, whatever it may be, that we know we need to actually attain in order to see the success, in order to see the improvement and the progress that we want to eventually get from our careers? I absolutely adore this concept of the bridge because it's always been labeled as a specific trait versus a specific trait. If someone is shy versus someone who is outgoing, it's never how do I take my shyness, find that bridge in order to find that confidence in what I do. It's almost like the introvert and the extrovert, you're one or the other. Yes, absolutely, you are one or the other, but what does that approach look like when you're trying to go from one to the other? What Lena is suggesting here is that no matter what you are dealing with, no matter what your qualifications, what your behavioral traits may be, we can build those bridges between where we are right now and where we feel we need to get to. Now, I'm not saying that one is right or wrong. What I'm saying is that 
through Lena's process, what she's able to do is identify the things that matter to her. She mentioned this a number of times. And by identifying those things, she can now start to label exactly the characteristics and the qualities that she's going to need in order to go on and achieve whatever this is that she wants to achieve. That, folks, is this career competitor. That's what we are as a show. We are trying to put you, the listener, in a position where you feel incentivized. You have that fire within you lit so brightly that you know exactly what something means to you. And what we're going to try and do through episode after episode and interview after interview is give you the very tools required in order to build that bridge and move towards whatever version it is that you need to get to in order to be successful. Just amazing stuff. I told you at the beginning, really went back to the core, the values of what we are as a show. Sometimes we get a little bit off the theme of the show. We always try to hold on to the competitive components, the ability to impact your career, but this was a home run today. This was an absolute jackpot episode in terms of really filling you with that amazing connection with the athlete mindset and how we can take that and sculpt that into something that we can use to our advantage within building our careers, whatever avenue we're trying to go down. So again, my thanks to Lena for joining us. I really hope you you appreciated the story of Lena, but also just the incredible insight and what we were able to pull from this conversation here today. I really encourage you all to go to lenataylor.com and just learn a little bit more about her work, what it is she offers. Also, she has a podcast of her own out there and certainly the type of woman that I would want to be listening uh, a little bit more to. So let's put it this way. If you're listening to this particular show, you should also be listening to Lena's podcast as well. So some amazing things going on within her world. And as always, I cannot wait to to get back to another episode, to keep providing this amazing content and also wish you, the listener, the very best of luck with anything and everything you've got going on. If you enjoyed this show, make sure you leave us a rating. Make sure you share it with your friends. Either way, I would just love to continue to build this show and get it to more and more sets of ears around the world because I know we're producing a fantastic product. So support the show. And again, thank you so much for stopping by, giving us a listen today. All the best with everything you've got going on within your world. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.